Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 226. And uh, real quick, let me just wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. That's coming up here in just a couple of days, so I hope you got your turkey thawing in the fridge, <laughs> by now at least, uh, or else you're going to have to go find one right away. Uh, we are getting ready here, but uh, not before sharing this fantastic episode with you. A great episode with a great friend of the show. We are talking today with author and podcaster Chuck Buddha. In this episode, we're going to be discussing topics such as finding your voice, series versus standalone, dealing with imposter syndrome, and writing to your genre and knowing the lingo and the tropes, uh, that kind of stuff. We're also going to be discussing his brand new series, The Sentinel, uh, and book one that is out right now called Sleeping Dogs Lie. It's a great conversation and wonderful to get to catch up with Chuck a little bit and uh, hear everything that he's been up to, which is which is different from uh, the show that he does, The Mondo Method, with uh, another friend of the show, Armand Rosamilia. They've been doing that together for, gosh, like six years now or a little more. And, uh, they, you know, they talk weekly about writing and uh, what they've been up to and that kind of stuff. And so, it's, it, But it's nice to have this personal little chat and kind of dive deeper into some of the things that he's been up to and talk about uh, what he thinks of writing. And you're going to enjoy this chat. So if you want to get into it right away, make sure to, uh, you know, you can go ahead and click ahead about another four minutes and then uh, you can hear the uh, hear the interview with Chuck. Otherwise, I can share a few things with you. Like uh, well, number one, I don't know what was up with my audio. It's everything sounded great whenever we were recording, and even when I first checked it, it was fine. But something in the transfer came up, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping that the audio sounds good on this, but we'll see how that turns out in post. Uh, as for episodes, I'm not going to have any more episodes this month in November, uh, but I am I am planning at least one or two more in December before taking a break through the rest of the holidays, and then uh, we'll get the show kicked off and going again here in January, and hopefully by then I will have this have this cold kick. It seems like it's trying to come back on me again, but I'll be uh, hopefully I'll be feeling much better. My voice will be normal. And uh, all will be well with the world. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I am having a really good time writing in NaNoWriMo this year. Hey, if you are doing NaNoWriMo, it's not too late to send me a friend request. Uh, you can just look me up. Actually, I think you can find me by the show, uh, Sample Chapter Podcast. But otherwise, you can just look me up as Jason A. Meiske and uh, find me on there. Send me a friend request and we'll be happy to cheer each other on as we uh, push through. I've been working on Bandit 2, feverishly finishing up the last couple chapters, uh, writing the big finale, the chase, you know, the final chase and battle, and just having a really good time with that. Things that are happening that I didn't expect, and uh, it's, <laughs> it's really, really cool. Uh, at the same time, I've been outlining and making, you know, writing down information for Bandit 3, getting that all ready, and I think, I think that's what I'm going to do this time, is I may actually... As soon as I'm all done with Bandit 2, I think I'm going to dive right into Bandit 3, uh, since it's all fresh in my head, and uh, we'll see where that goes, because I'd like to get Bandit 3 up earlier. Uh, I, it's been a year, it's been over a year now, since Bandit 1 came out, and the plan was for Bandit 2 in the spring, and uh, yeah, that didn't work out. But uh, hopefully I can do that with Bandit 3, get that out, uh, at the very least to get it out before summer, that'd be nice. I am still targeting Christmas for release of Bandit Tune, so so stay tuned to social media links for updates on all that. Like last week when I shared the uh, the book cover reveal for Bandit Two, and that got a great response. A lot of people are very excited, and I mean, hey, I am too. It's a it's a fantastic cover. It's not one I did. It's a great artist who did that. Again, if you want to follow the show on social media, it is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Very easy to find. Just the Sample Chapter Podcast. You can also email the show if you have something, if you have a comment or a request, then uh, just reach out to me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to also check out our podcast friends at Pop Goes the Culture Network. Uh, the link is in the show notes. They're home to about a dozen other fantastic shows, all of them great, all of them fun, and all of them pop culture related. 
And uh, lastly, yeah, if you are a coffee lover like me, don't forget to click the link in the show notes for Writer's Block Coffee. They have three delicious flavors, all of them fantastic, and uh, you can try a sample of one, try them all, uh, order one time or set it up on automatic shipping. And don't forget that whenever you go to make your order, use coupon code SAMPLECHAPTER to save 10% on your order and get it in time for Christmas. All right, everybody. Well, it is time for me to go ahead and step aside, and let's get on over to our interview with the truly wonderful Chuck Buddha. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, welcome back. We are welcoming to the show another one of our longtime friends of the show and uh, just a, a great guy all, all around. Uh, this week, we are welcoming back Chuck Buddha. Chuck writes across multiple genres, including westerns, horror, and crime thrillers. He loves to eat pizza, drink whiskey, and craft beers, listen to Norwegian black metal, and searches for answers about Bigfoot and UFOs. Plus, he works very hard to fit in quotes from Seinfeld or Big Bang Theory into every conversation he has. That is a lot of fun in one man. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome back to the show my friend. Chuck Buddha. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's fun. It's always funny when uh, when somebody like introduces you and and goes through the stuff, and I, I realize I, I'm kind of a goofball, aren't I? Like I, <laughs> I have all that stuff, and it's it's like, should I be more serious or should I be Chuck? I, I guess I can't help being Chuck because that's kind of who I am. But you but yeah, I'm excited to be back, man. Good yeah. to be with you always. So. Oh, man, I love, love having you back. It's been kind of fun for me here lately, having a few people back. I got to talk to Frank Edler recently, and uh, now now you you guys are tied at three. So uh, Armand is still way out in front of everyone at five visits, and uh, I heard him recently. He wants to come back again, so it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm going to have to have a jacket made or something, you know, or a T-shirt or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Start sending them out to to people who've been in the uh, the five time club or something like that. But we'll see. But yeah, no. I and I I get what you're saying. Like anytime I get to be on another show, and you hear that intro, you, you I I find myself kind of looking around, going like, God, they're talking about me. Are, are you yeah. sure you're talking about me? Yeah, yeah I, I'm obviously not good at self promotion. So, um, you know, which we talked about. I, I just uh, I don't know. It's funny. Like I could talk about myself all day long with friends and family but when it comes to like promoting the books i um i kind of fold inside myself i don't know why it's not really the way it's supposed to be author, <laughs> right. but um yeah i'm kind of backwards so well let's uh let's talk a little bit about that uh so you were first here in june of 18 we talked about the first cut your uh, your vampire uh books and then uh, you came back in march of 19 with armand talking about Key Port Cthulhu 2, which I've read the first one. I haven't gotten into the rest of them yet. Uh, since then, you've come out with other books that I've been able to read, which, of course, uh, Beers and Fears and that series, Debt Collector. I got to read, uh, I already mentioned Cthulhu 1, and then uh, Son of Earp series. I, I checked that out and loved it. Uh, and, I mean, you've been really busy in the last uh, few years. I can't believe it's been three years since you were on the show last so. I, I mean, either. I mean, it's uh, you've been kind of all over the place with the the uh, supernatural, the uh, touching on some westerns here and there, and your horror that that debt collector. Oh my gosh, that is one crazy dude. Uh, and then now branching into straight westerns. I mean, uh, man, how do you do it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's true. I I, I have been busy, but um, I, I'm never. I never satisfy myself in terms of how much I produce. Um, you know, I still feel like I should be at that stage um, when I started releasing stuff and I was unemployed and I was basically doing a book a month. Um, my my brain has adjusted. So Armand has yelled at me uh, on the Mondo method enough times to say, you can't expect to do that and, you know, survive. And And I finally agreed with him. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I, I still feel like you could definitely do more. I, and, you know, part of that is like the FOMO, because I see all these other authors coming out with books and 
all the time and i just feel as if they're releasing more stuff and more frequently than i am and it's really not the case because kind of when you when you really get down to it everybody is doing anywhere from like one or two to four books a year um but i think the calculus in my brain adds it all together so i take you know author a b and c and they're each releasing four books and and i'm like well that's 12 books i should be releasing 12 but you know i I, (laughs) that's the way my brain works and uh it's faulty and that's part of my hungarian heritage i guess so um but yeah it's uh I, I do do a lot, but not enough. Um, I, I wish I could do more. And, and kind of like what we were talking about um, as we were starting the call, I, uh, I'm very, inc- I'm still very inconsistent. You know, I think that's the biggest struggle is um, persistence and, and consistency. It's, it's getting into the chair every day. Um, you let the day job get in the way. Uh, we got a dog recently and you know, I, I make excuses because he needs to be walked or played with. And I'm like, oh, I can't write because I got to take care of the dog. <laughs> yeah, so, um, <laughs> it's just too easy, um, you know, to to not dial it up every day. And, and really, it's a shame because if I did, first of all, I'd make my life a lot easier because, you know, when it comes to deadline time, I, I would be. I, I could chip away at the deadline little by little instead of trying to scramble, you know, close to the end. Um, but but I think it, it would it would help the writing process too um, by building that consistency. I, you know, it's like building a muscle. It's like working out with weights or whatever, which I also haven't done in a long time. Um, <laughs> just to to keep keep things firing and and really build um, mm-hmm. that that muscle and and the word count. And I think I finally hit a million words or, or whatever very recently. So over my lifetime so they say like the first million words are throwaway so hopefully i'm going to start writing good stuff now (laughs) (laughs) you know and i mean you know you're touching on that uh, imposter syndrome and i and it's funny because like i've heard other authors who are you know quote unquote successful and they've got the book deals they've got uh, movie deals and whatever but i hear them in interviews as well talking about you know, they're looking up to these other authors and thinking like, oh, man, you know, I want to be there. And it's one of those things I've kind of realized, like, <clears throat> what is our you know, we've got to find out what is our definition of success? What, what at what point are we going to feel like we are an author? And is it even achievable? Is there something that we're you know, the, are we going to at some point realize we're like, yeah, I am an author. And I'm doing good. And, uh, you know, can we reach that point? I don't know. I wish I had an answer to that because um, it is. It's funny. You know, uh, I'll, I'll meet people for the first time and, and they'll say, oh, what do you do? And whatever, if they find out that I write and and then, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm an author. I have some books out there. And they're like, really? You wrote a book? I was like, well, yeah, I got like 20 of them out there, actually. And they're always super impressed. Um, and yet I don't walk away feeling like like I'm some you know uh, big chief wahoo or anything. I just feel I still feel kind of <laughs> like you know this average Joe who I, I mean I definitely feel accomplished because how many people walk around saying someday I'm going to write a book someday I'm going to write a book and even though there's millions of us out there it's still just a tiny tiny fraction of the population who have actually done it yeah. you know done one let alone you know. A, a dozen or two so it's uh, uh it, there there should be more uh self-satisfaction in that and um i don't know i don't know if it you know if it's money if it's number of titles if it's uh the reviews sometimes i look at the reviews and i'm like man i've been doing this for so long and i still only have like five reviews on this book or whatever and it's mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter how much you <clears throat> beg people and plead and and say you know please leave a review or just star it. Even if you don't leave a review and you just do like the, uh, you know, the global star review or something, just do something. And, and yet so many people don't. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the measure of success is. You know, and uh, yeah, and you kind of touched on this a little bit already there, but one of the things I think, we as authors need to realize, and and this is just kind of across life in general that I've discovered is you never know 
who you are touching in some way and and i don't mean that you know in exactly physically or anything like that but just right. touching their life in some way you never know how you're um impressing upon someone sometimes until you know down the road maybe you find out like oh yeah this person did this you know because of it and and i can tell you a little story like i i heard of you before i heard of armand really uh, <laughs> yeah yeah you i heard you on um our, our buddy ryan pelton on his uh his oh, yeah. author show i heard you on there and you guys you were talking about your book a month that you were doing and and all that and i'm like man this guy chuck good is incredible and i mean it like really inspired me to think like all right, all right i gotta i want to be like this guy chuck i'm gonna check this out i'm gonna have to find out where else he's on and then i heard that's how i found out about mondo method and i it took me a couple of episodes before i realized oh okay this is armand's kind of leading it and chuck is learning along the way it's like but still i mean you inspired me at that time and there's no way you would know that and i don't think i've ever told you that in the past and i mean that's a failure on my part for not letting you know and and you never know like if you go to these events or something like that and <clears throat> like you said you know somebody's walking along and they're talking to you about it for me it's these little kids coming along and uh the parents are like yeah this is an author and i hold up a book and it's like yeah there's my picture see that's me and the kids eyes just sparkle and they grow and they're like you wrote that you're an author and i just kind of laugh and so then i'll talk to them like yeah do you like to do you like to write oh wow that's really cool you know i love that and it's i realize the power we have to inspire somebody else and whether they do something or not with it who knows but how cool would it be to find out down the road that that kid went home and started writing and we have no idea like i go home and then i'm opening up my scrivener and i'm like man i am i am writing some shit today this sucks <laughs> <laughs> you know but then you never know you know maybe down the road this kid will be like yeah I, i've met jason at a thing and i've got this book and you never know and it's the same thing for you man i mean you you do inspire people whether you know it or not wow i, I mean first of all uh, i'm floored by such a compliment um and coming from you because i i look at you and you know everything that you've done and all the authors you've spoken to and um i feel like i can't hold a candle to that you know i i know i have my fans that, um because there there are very loyal readers who reach out to me and and talk offline and stuff and and I'm still humbled by that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I was at Scares That Care one year um, and I was leading a a, a discussion group. You know, um, I think it was the one with uh, with Ed Lee and, and Rath James White and, uh, you know, who I look at as huge stars. And then uh, my family was actually there uh, to watch me interview these guys. And uh some guy came up from the back at the end and uh, he was like, he had one of my books and he's like, he's like, can you sign this? And I was like, yeah, you mean me or, you know, <laughs> one of these guys. He's like, no, you. He's like, you know, I was I was looking for you. And uh, my daughter was giving me the sidelong glances like what? And she even said in the parking lot, like later that night when we were leaving, she, she, she kept looking at me weird. And I was like, what? And she's like, I can't believe somebody like wanted your signature and thought that you were like famous or something i'm like i know it's weird right um and, and you usually don't hear it as much from readers as you do from the mondo method uh listeners um i can't tell you how many times uh, especially it scares the care because that's when a lot of the people gather um and they come up to the table and they tell armand and i you know thanks for what you do and we've learned so much you know mm -hmm. from from mm -hmm. all your mistakes and you know your your pig-headedness about you know making change and stuff and and i laugh but you know i, I um i i literally shake you know with and i i tremble kind of with with the weight of that responsibility but not that it's a bad thing but i'm just like wow i, I can't believe like people you know hang on our words that way and so we've always been so um focused on kind of what we do uh, on the show just because 
you know, we feel that responsibility. It's like, no, we really want to help people. You know, we don't want to blow smoke up everybody's butt. Like all, I shouldn't say all the other shows, but there are shows out there who, you know, they're like, oh, we sell millions of books and we do this and that. And then you look at the numbers on KDP and you're like, you know, it, it, it's a sham. Um, and, and we've always kind of kept it real, uh, warts and all, which, uh, which, you know, leads to lots of fodder for making fun of us, especially me. And, and uh, I know a lot of people dig when, when Armand yells at me. And he hasn't yelled at me in a while, so I should do something to piss him off soon just so he can <laughs> so we can give the people what they want but um maybe he'll hear this and be like what the hell <laughs> but yeah i mean wow it's um it, it's it's true you never think of kind of inspiring people um i i do want to you know part of what i'm trying to get away uh or or not get away but change paths a little bit from horror to the to the classic westerns is um I feel that I can't go deep enough into, you know, Christianity um, and really life lessons and stuff. And kind of what I'm doing with this new classic Western series, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's the Sentinel um, is is the series title. And uh, the main character is really an amalgamation of, you know, myself my father some other people that i've looked up to and um you know that the struggle to to do what's right and uh and to have a positive impact on family and friends and stuff and you know um as i get older i think a lot about the stuff you know that i've said and done and uh not too proud of it at, at some times you know with family and friends and even strangers, you know, um, being from New Jersey with the road rage, you know, I've said and done some things on the road I'm not proud of. Um, and, and really, you know, try to be a better person. And so I, I don't beat people over the head in this series with that, but, uh, but I, I, I do finally come, uh, to my writing now with, with a little more purpose and, and thematic approach as opposed to what I did in the past, which was more, you know, over the top scares and sex and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it was more just pulp reading. And I, I think my Western is still pulp reading, but, um, you know, I'm not going to lie that there's deeper roots, uh, which hopefully come out. So I don't know. I'm trying something new. So we'll see. We'll see how the readers respond. And so far it's been good, but it's, it's still in the early stages. But, I mean, do you think maybe that was part of that uh, you, know, you were saying you get the first million words in, <clears throat> maybe that was just a part of that. It was a part of finding your voice. Um, I think I had a voice. I, it might be more maturity. It might be part um, more more my mortality. Um, you know, uh, I, I've I've lost some people uh, in the last few years, and as everybody has, and you know, it's. Um, I'm getting up there in age. I'm, I'm almost 53 and some people think I'm young and some people think I'm really old, like talking to my kids. Um, I, you know, I, I, in my brain, I still think I'm 22, yeah. um, but my body doesn't respond the same way, you know? So like, uh, so part of it is, you know, what's, what's my legacy? Uh, I think I've just gotten to a point where it's like, the writing is fun and it's always um, cathartic for me, you know, because uh, I am a very angry person and and have depression and all those things. I mean, I don't really talk about it a lot because, you know, nobody cares. You know, I'm not I'm not going to sit at I don't give my political views and my religious views and all that stuff because. Um, unless somebody asks, nobody gives a crap. So, you know, sure. I'm not, I'm not going to stand sure. on a, on a thing and, and shout to the heavens, you know, this is the way it should be and stuff because everybody has their own opinion and everybody has their own path and that's the way it should be. Um, but I think mine has just led to, yeah, I, I think it's just my mortality and my, my maturity. I, I can't believe I'm finally maturing now at, at this old age, <laughs> but I'm, I'm finally starting to go, you know, think in my head, um, what more could I say? You know, do I have something that's more meaningful that I can yeah. leave behind instead of just 
slashing people up and stuff, which I still love. You know, it's like it's not like I'm turning my back on it and I still have plans to release um, standalone horror stories, you know, in the future. But, yeah, I guess there's just more serious side coming out for for once. And um, I don't know, I guess I'm getting sappy as I get older. (laughs) Well, it's remarkable. It's remarkable you said standalone, because <clears throat> I was going to ask you about that, that uh, you have most of your library, it appears, is series, uh, either three books or an ongoing series. Um, and then, I, I don't know, Do you have you had standalones before? I, I had one. I had Boondock yeah. Butcher, which came out last year, and, and that was... You know, I, it was kind of my foray into splatter punk. Um, I really wanted to do something that was more over the top. I mean, some people argue that, you know, like the Gushers series, like the first cut and stuff was was kind of splatter punk because it, it had over the top sex and violence. But, you know, I I kind of didn't set out to do that. That's that's what the story prescribed from me. Um, whereas Boondock Butcher, I came out and I said, no, I, I want to do like, you know, some redneck in the mountains, like over the top, you know, sick stuff. And, um, you succeeded I, there, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, and, and the other issue was, you know, I've, I've struggled, um, because my brain thinks in series. So it's very natural for me to do like longer works. Um, but it's a struggle at conventions or book signings to, to sell uh, my books because, you know, people look at it and they come to the table and everybody's got, you know, a limited supply of disposable income, especially these days with inflation and and, and layoffs and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, they come to the table and they're like, well, I I really have to invest a lot and I don't even know if I'm going to like this series. So, you know, do do I start with book one and what if I don't like it? Um, You know, then it's, I'll feel that the stuff is unfinished. And then also like, if I like it now I'm on the hook to buying a couple more books. Um, ebook wise, it, it works, you know, yeah. ebooks, people will roll from book to book to book and it's no problem. But, um, but yeah, I would go to signings and, and do uh, book signings at, you know, the beers and fears and festivals and stuff with Armand and, and Frank and, and Tim and, and J.C. Walsh, and, and they're all, you know, killing it because they have they have series, but they also have standalones. But people can come up and grab a book here, grab a book there. And for me, it was really like that they, they gloss over mine because it's like, uh, I don't know, you know. And um, so part of that was, hey, I got to come out with a standalone so I could actually sell something for once at a table. And uh, oddly enough, I just did CreepyCon in Knoxville this past summer. And um I was selling series books like crazy. Hmm. Um, and it was weird. Uh, you know, uh, also, I sell a lot of Son of Earth books uh, on ebook, but not in person. And I was selling three, four books at a time of Son of Earth series at CreepyCon. And, you know, maybe I finally, now that I moved from New Jersey to, to Tennessee, I guess. Um, the cowboy stuff resonates more because people were like, oh, this is like a weird Western. I love Westerns. And and they were <laughs> buying like clumps of books. And I was just like, holy crap. Like, you know, I should have moved here earlier because <laughs> I, I couldn't sell these things back in New Jersey. And now here I am um, and it's working. And I was telling people that I was working on a classic Western series and they were kind of fired up. They're like, oh, I, you know, are you going to have it here next year? I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm very series um heavy and and i plan to do some more standalones but unfortunately i have more serious stuff in the work so that's just that's the way cool, i work though. but that's cool though and then, i mean and, and each of the things that you write they're they're just different enough to kind of stretch your stretch yourself as a writer uh, which i i appreciate it's like i i like writing in that thriller vein but I like to go like my first one was paranormal. The second one was a little more crime. And then now I've got this kind of a sci-fi retro sci-fi is what I keep calling it. And it's, I, I just, I really enjoy doing that differently. And it's, you know, I just had my own short story come out in an anthology and it, that was a whole nother animal for me to come up with something short and keep it under 5,000 words. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm enjoying that, um, flexing that muscle, you know, to, 
to quote you all ago, that flexing the muscle and doing something a little different and to grow from that. And I feel like, like what you're doing, it's helping me as well to write each story better, whether it's going to be continued in a series or if it's, you know, something else that I write down the road. And it's, it, it's got to help and, uh, you know, make something else uh, better down the road. And you never know where it's going to lead. Yeah, I, you know, I think part of it, too, is just, um, well, two sides of it. I grew up reading, you know, Stephen King, and his books are so different from book to book. Sure. Um, and, and the other thing is, is, you know, I'm a Sagittarius, so part of my thing is I, I chase the, the the flashy, you know, new butterfly or, or light that goes dancing along. So um, my brain doesn't stop. I, I can't. I can't focus on stuff, you know, and sometimes I worry because I, I read other folks, um, you know, I've been doing a lot more crime thriller um, series, thanks to uh, Armand and Dan Padovana now. So, um, you know, I, I read like CJ Box and Jeff Carson and stuff. And and these guys got like 16, 19, 20 books, you know, um, BJ Borg. And it's just like he's, he's got like 25 books and. And it's just like, wow, like, I don't know if I could focus, uh, like, even though I love series, I don't know if I could keep writing a series that long, like that many volumes to it, you know, three, no problem. Trilogies, you know, I could bang out without a, without an issue. Um, six books, it's more of a challenge, but I could still do it. But yeah, extending anything beyond six or seven books, I, I think would be a huge challenge. And um, so part of my thing is I, I just... I can't sit still. Like I, I got to jump into the next thing and and try, you know, my hand at something else. But uh, going back to what you said about, sh I still struggle with short story. I I feel like my short stories. Um, there's really only two or three that I'm proud of. <laughs> the rest of them I think are train wrecks, and um, I don't know why. I think it's just the economy of words, and, and I don't deal with a lot of description in my books. Um, yeah. You know, I keep it light and and keep the pace moving. I don't like like big paragraphs of description, um, so it shouldn't be difficult for me to handle economy of words. Yet it is. Uh, I just cannot get my brain to narrow into you know five or seven thousand words or shorter. It um, it's really really difficult for me um, to do that. You know, mm -hmm. succinctly and. I don't know. I, that's part of my development and struggle, you know, and it's usually the opposite. People are like, oh, I have no problems with short stories. It's writing something long. I, I can't go short. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, had I not had so many, so many people giving me feedback because it was, it was part of a writing group and we uh, beta read each other's stuff. We had like three of us would uh, break off. I'm like, all right, I'm going to read yours. And then you give me, you know, you give me yours and I'll, I'll read yours in return. And so I had like three different people reading mine and giving me their feedback. And then my wife was looking at my story as well. And that helped you know, all of that together. It's like, that's the most feedback I've ever gotten on anything with that short story. So that I think helped out too. And, and it gave me things to consider too. It's like, oh, well, yeah, this word, like I had one guy who was a former journalist. So he's all about hey, you got three lines here that are essentially saying the same thing. You can cut it down to this. And I'm just like slapping myself in the forehead going, like, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant. And another guy is going, he's a little more sci-fi, and he's just like, yeah, hey, if you do this, you know, then that'll open up this part of the story. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. And <laughs> I'm just like hoping that I'm giving, you know, even close to that kind of advice back to them with my own feedback. But uh, but, you know, and then, like you said, with this series, like I, I never imagined myself writing a long series until I started this bandit uh, series. And I sat down to start writing it. And I realized as I'm uh, like a couple chapters in, I'm like, oh, this is going to be more than one book. <laughs> and so I started kind of like mapping it out a little bit. And I realized, like, I got enough stories for eight to ten books, maybe, as long as I can keep going with it. But I also... I need to keep, I'm also Sagittarius. I mean, I think our birthdays are like a day or two away from each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I need to write something else in between. Like I want to continue with Bandit and keep putting one or two out a year. 
but I got to put something else out in between there just to kind of break it up in my head and then go from there. Yeah. And that's the smart way to go um, is, is to break it up. I mean, for a couple of reasons, one is, again, I'm seriously terrible at this is um, teaching and Armand always yells at me, you gotta, you gotta like train the readers uh, when to expect books, you know, and I've kind of been all over the map with either releasing a ton of them right away and then nothing for a year or two or, um, you know, spreading them out too far. And and it's really true. And, and by breaking it up that way and doing, you know, two books a year, maybe on the bandit and then one book on another project gives you that that chance to, like, clear your head and, and do something else. Um which I think is great. What happens with me, because my brain is so small, is then I forget stuff that I did in the series and I got to go back and like reread everything. I'm like, who's <laughs> who's still alive? Like, what, you know, what, what what was the last thing that happened to this guy? I'm like, holy crap, like I really got to go back and figure this stuff out. So so the key is to find that that mix of giving yourself the break, but not going too long so that you don't have to go and, and refresh the whole series to catch up on yeah. what you were doing last. So, Oh my gosh. I love yourself to depreciating humor, but you are not alone there, man. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on bandit two all year and I still am going back on crap. What was this guy's name again in the last book? And what did they, what did I say they look like? Is it this alien or is it that alien? I'm like, ah, damn it. And go back yeah. and take my notes. Yeah, I'm I'm bad about keeping a Bible uh, of stuff. You know, I in Scrivener, I, I have notes um, sometimes with the character. You know, I have like a little character sheet. But again, it's it's like a bullet or two. Like I don't go into a ton of description because a lot of times and this is the way I read when I read, I kind of envision the characters looking the way I think they look mm-hmm. uh, based on, you know, their actions or the way they speak or something. And um sometimes if if somebody describes the character too much it 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 causes a problem for me not a big problem but you know there's like a disconnect with how i view the character which is kind of why i don't like watching movies or tv shows after i read a series because i'm like ah that's not what that guy looks like or whatever (laughs) um you know so sometimes it 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 changes things and and i'm just too regimented to uh to accept those facts but um but yeah, I, I should be better about doing a Bible. I know a lot of authors keep, you know, some measure of Bible, whether it's in a notebook or in the Scrivener um, character, you know, uh, sheets or whatever, just to to stay on track. And uh, and I'm, I'm bad about that. I'm starting to be a little bit better now with with the classic Western series. So I have more notes and stuff um, because there there's particular things that I don't want to miss. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's a never ending learning and growing process and uh which is part of the fun of it is you know that like you were talking about before is just evolving changing you know Mm. doing something different um challenging yourself because you know it's very easy to get into um to get into a rut and i think the readers expect different you know some some love to always come back and get the same thing over and over again Mm. but a lot of people you know, they want something different. They they want to be challenged too. They they yeah. want to see your your development and say, oh, I you know when I read his his first stuff, it was good, but now it's like really good. You know, now I can see like he knows what he's doing, and mm-hmm. um, I hope people think that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think so. I, I agree. Well, I mean, you brought it up, and uh, I've been wanting to get back to it, so let's saddle up and uh, mosey on over to uh, to your new western, Sleeping Dogs Lie. Uh, and I know, like, following you as, as, as I do, I know you've been looking forward to doing a Western for a long time, and that's one of my dream projects is to one day do a Western, but other than other than what I've seen in, on TV and in movies, I, I don't know the lingo, I don't know, it's like, all right, i got to remember what, what exactly is a bridle. Um, <laughs> you know, how are you doing with the, uh, with the details? Yeah, you know... It's funny. I, it's all over the place, actually, um, because if you read if you read the classics, you know, like Max Brand and, and Louis mm. Lamour and, mm-hmm. um, you know, people like that, it, it's uh, they don't they don't go into a whole lot of 
over the top like western description and stuff you know they they might with the setting but not so much with the you know with the weapons and and the the saddle parts and all that kind of stuff so it's all over the map and and i read uh i read some westerns now uh some more modern writers who um are, are terrific writers you know that that i really like you know like peter brandvold and uh cj pettit um Lane Wierenski, I, I mean, his Mountain Man series is great, and and it's all over the place. Like some of them are are intense with with kind of the lingo and the details, and then others are are not, you know. And and it's more just like um, kind of modern writing in a Western setting. So I think I'm a hybrid because I I can't decide which way to go. Um, and, and I was like that with my Son of Herb series too. I you know, there were certain characters where I made them talk, you know, with the drawl and 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 the kind of the, the pappy lingo and all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but um, other characters I just stuck to almost like a modern English vibe. Um, so I don't know, because sometimes if you go too far with it, you again, you 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 cause the reader to stumble because if they if they're always kind of reading that you know, for lack of better description, like pigeon English or Western garble, you know, um, the the hillbilly kind of speak, you know, sometimes it gets too much and, and it it pulls you from the story. At least I find that it does. So I, I think you use it sparingly. I think, you know, in terms of um, like the equipment and, and the setting, like if it plays into the scene or into the action, I think it's it's good to bring up. Otherwise, you know, I just kind of leave it in the mind of the reader. Again, I think the readers, I think a lot of times we uh, don't give the reader enough credit of what they bring to the table uh, in terms of understanding and stuff. And mm. and I know I've been guilty of trying to beat, you know, browbeat the reader into like force feeding stuff um because i feel like they're not gonna get it and and it's like no they'll, they'll get it you know like they're not dumb yeah. um so i the the short answer is i don't know it's all over the place i mean depending <laughs> on who you read um i think you just find whatever style is your own i think it's probably a good thing to do a mix of of stuff and you know when, when you find a, a need for it you you can Google stuff. I mean, I have all kinds of books on my desk right next to me now, you know, like how the West was worn and saloons of the <laughs> old West cowboy lingo. You know, I, I have those books. So, I mean, once in a while I'll reference them and, and they're fun reads, you know, on their own. But um, yeah, it, it's it's really to each their own. And um, I don't know, I, I, I hope what I want to do is I kind of want to cling to the more modern reader and, and not uh force people to kind of go back in time uh i hope that they bring that to the table with themselves from watching you know the good the bad the ugly Mm -hmm. the rightful man and bonanza and all that kind of stuff so i don't know it's part of my development we'll see how the feedback comes in i mean so far it's been good so I, i i guess i'm getting it right but i i don't know if i have really hardcore western fans reading it yet so i guess i'll find out when those folks uh discover what i'm doing and and see if they think it's good or not well i mean you bring up a good point because it's if you're focusing on story then the rest of it will fall into place you pepper it in with just the kind of details that you need and and as you alluded to earlier you don't really like to do a lot of descriptors so it's like yeah he, he hopped on the horse and you know pulled on the reins and i mean that's already painting a picture you know the the reader will fill it in from there you don't have to be tom clancy and explain the history of this style of horse you know (laughs) before they go up up the mountain you know versus another horse that's meant for racing uh you know it's not necessary just focus on story and go on from there yeah um First of all, yeah, I, I'm not smart enough to to know all those details. I mean, I could go back and study all that, but but then then I find that I'm on that fine line of you know you got to balance the research and the writing. Like you got to just get the stuff done. And I know for myself that if I go down a rabbit hole with the research, I, I won't publish anything. I'll just keep researching everything until I know every little detail. And 
and then I'll get off track. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a process. So I'll, I'll keep learning. And like I said, let let people tell me, you know, if they think it's it's on target. I mean, I have gotten feedback from people on the Son of Herb series. I know um, where people were like, well, it's not really a Western because he doesn't really talk about you know, all the Western implements and stuff. And, and, and that's fair, you know, because I agree, like I, I don't, I don't come across as hardcore uh, Western. It's more like the setting and the feel uh, and the era, but um, yeah, I focus more on the story, the plot and the characters as opposed to uh, some of those minor details, but the minor details are important. So I'm not, I'm not brushing it aside by any means. It's just not in my wheelhouse, I guess. Yeah, but that's that's good though, and it sounds like you're doing well with it. So book one is Sleeping Dogs Lie, which is available now. And it's what was the series name? It's the Sentinel series. Sentinel. Okay. So give us some background. What's uh, what's going on with this series? So the Sentinel is basically um, it's this guy Cordell Manning. Um, so he was a sheriff. Um, in this small town in Kansas, um, you know, I, I wanted it to be more of a, uh, a mix of Western and Eastern. So I didn't want to go too far West. Um, plus part of the setting, uh, really called for, um, some plains, some woods and stuff. So, you know, going towards like a, a Texas or an Arizona, I thought would, would pull me out of kind of some of the things I wanted to do, but but basically, he was the uh, sheriff of Sorrow Creek, um, you know, and and he's known far and wide for for his sense of justice and and fairness. So, you know, again, drawing from, you know, characters in the past uh, that I've seen, you know, from like Gunsmoke and stuff. You know, he's sort of a Matt Dillonish kind of guy from Gunsmoke, but he's got a little more of an edge to him. So, you know, he's he's got a little bit of a shady past and. Um, he struggles, I think, with with being a good guy and doing the right thing, even though in his position uh, he he does, you know, he takes his job as sheriff very seriously. Um, but, you know, he's he's got a he's got a dark side and, um, you know, part of that um, comes back to haunt him. And um, so basically he loses his job as sheriff and. Um, he becomes like a pariah in the community of Sorrow Creek and kind of, you know, goes off to lick his wounds and, you know, hide himself and, and, you know, because he's, he's, he's lost. Uh, but along the way, he has found a couple of youngsters that he's kind of taken under his wing um, that he really, uh, you know, I think it fulfills kind of his, um, his loss. So, you know, he lost his family because of his history and stuff. Um, so having these, these folks around, uh, keeps him grounded. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're kind of difficult for him. So one is, uh, is an uh, Indian woman character. And, uh, I love her because she's, she looks like a man. Um, and she does that purposely and she really doesn't speak uh, because he had saved her or he had encountered her when she was being, you know, gang raped by a bunch of settlers. Um, and and she's a, a Comanche Indian. And so he kind of took her under his wing. And because of that, you know, she totally changed herself and became, you know, she hides who she is. So, you know, she yeah. can't really hide her skin color, but she, nobody really knows that she's she's a female. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, the tough guy um, shooter character who's, you know, he doesn't say a lot, but, but he's good with his gun. And then, of course, there's there's the foiled wiseacre. There's a guy with a with a big mouth and, um, you know, he's he's good at fist fighting, not necessarily with his gun, uh, but he gets into trouble because he can't keep his mouth shut. You know, he's like <laughs> one of these like he starts lots of trouble. So so the four of them. Um, it's basically a series about, you know, and the reason I call him the Sentinel is because, you know, uh, not only in his, his his status as sheriff at one point of Sorrow Creek, but he's also kind of the shepherd and the Sentinel of these these three lost 
uh, people that he's encountered along the way and taken under his wing and also for himself, you know, because he's still trying to figure out who he is. Uh, I think he knew who he was before his family was taken from him. And now, um, you know, now he fights the darkness um, that rages in his heart and his soul. So, you know, he's still trying to be good, but um, but there's kind of a monster in him. So hmm. uh, it's a lot of fun. Um you know, that the first book was almost, uh, I don't want to say light because it's not light, but it, it's its going to get darker as the series grows. So like that the second book is um, uh, will be coming out in December. It's called Hangman's Noose, and uh, it'll have more mystery to it. So uh, the sheriff, you know, won't be so much as a shootout type thing. It'll be uh, a little more sleuthing and, you know uncovering clues and and have a mystery aspect to it which is a little different for me so uh hmm. so yeah it, it, it's it's fun so i don't know i i'm having a, a great time with it i think the characters um are really cool and and you know part of again going back to my message of christianity and doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff uh i i kind of see myself in uh in cordell manning you know, trying to right the wrongs that the, the bad things that I've said and done uh, to people that I care about, um, you know, through the years and try and make amends without coming out and apologizing to people and admitting that I'm a piece of garbage. So, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's just I think everybody is that way. I, even my horror stories are like that. The people are really the monsters. I mean, I think we all have a light and a dark side, um, which is you know, part of regardless of what faith you have, or even if you have no faith, I think we all struggle with that um, in this universe is trying to manage that, you know, ambivalence. So I feel like I'm doing a lot of yakking. So you could tell me to be quiet anytime. No, no, no. <laughs> You're uh, giving us the background and uh, I, I can just tell right now the uh, audience is probably buying into it and <clears throat> anxious to uh, check out book one, just like I am. <clears throat> I've been like pulling it up in the background going like, yeah, I, I, I missed it last month when it came out. So I'm like getting it pulled up right now so I can grab a copy for myself. Yeah. But uh, it, it's been a bit since I've read a uh, <clears throat> a Western. <clears throat> I think it was uh, the Virginian is the last time I read a, uh, a Western like two years ago. But uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to checking this out and seeing where it goes. And, and I, I, I appreciate how you've got that, uh, you know, that classic uh, three-act structure where book one is like an introduction and seeing where things are going. And then book two, it sounds like is going to be the darkness and you put them in the worst possible thing. And then book three, the conclusion is what it sounds like. So looking forward to it, man. Yeah, it's uh, each book will stand alone. So, it you know, it's not like you have to read them in any order, which is a little different than what I've done in the past. Um, but but there is character growth, you know, um, because you can't you can't brush the overarching, you know, character arcs under the the, the table. But um, but by the same token, you know, I, I want it to be able to be read in any order that you want. And um, I actually have a prequel, uh, which really goes into what happens with his family. And that will be available only through my um, through my mailing list. So um, that story is done. I'm still polishing it. And, um, you know, I haven't really worked on building my my mailing list yet. But uh, when I make that announcement, that will be a free novella through my newsletter and that'll really be you know book one essentially um the prequel but but again i explained some of the the prequel in the first book sleeping sleeping dogs lie so it's not like you have to read the prequel but i think you know if somebody really likes the series it'll it'll be really cool to kind of see you know the genesis of of mm -hmm. what happened so yeah um, yeah it's a lot of fun I, I i'm having a great time with it and and obviously there's there's room to grow. So if the series uh, does well, you know, I might do spin-off series with uh, with some of the other characters. You know, I might have a spin-off series for the Comanche Indian female character 
um, because I, I think she's really deep, um, you know, and, and of course the 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 mouthy character in the shooter. So I, I think they they all have classic tropes and and things, but they they also have enough, um, you know, difference in in their personalities that they can stand alone as well. So we'll see we'll we'll see how it goes. And you know, <laughs> if 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 it calls for it, I will branch out into those other series that are related and if not you know i i still have more fodder for uh this series to go longer than six books you know again if it needs to but right now the plan is just uh six books so we'll, we'll see awesome awesome and uh you you touched on the uh <clears throat> the newsletter and uh and such where can people find and follow you uh I'm pretty much everywhere. Most of my books are wide. This series, uh, the the plan is to keep it only in Kindle right now and Kindle Unlimited so that, um, you know, I can build a little more traction. Um, But people can find me uh, Amazon or uh, authorchuckbuddha.com is my website. And it's kind of just a plain website, but you can sign up for the newsletter uh, and it's got links to my books and stuff. Um, So, you know, the website's still a work in progress too, six years later. Uh, it's changed a few times, but, um, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of where I'm located. I am on social media, but I'm terrible at it. If you listen to the Mondo method, you'll hear Armand yell at me. Um, I'm mostly on Twitter these days, but, um, you know, I do have a Facebook page and Instagram and, and all that kind of stuff. I just don't really check in too often. So I know I should. (laughs) (laughs) <clears throat> well, and and along with that, yeah, anybody, uh, you know, make sure you're following along with the uh, Mondo method so you can hear more of this incredible advice we've gotten today. You get uh, uh, some more of that every week uh, with uh, with Chuck and Armand. So I'll have links for all that in the show notes. And uh, Chuck, man, as always, absolutely outstanding getting to talk to you and catching up. And uh, I wish you all the best, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I love listening to your show and, um, you know, your bandit series is on my TBR too. So, uh, really looking forward to see where you go with that. I, the cover is phenomenal, uh, on that series. And I, I saw that you had like a picture of like, uh, um, the t-shirt and stuff at, at your signing. So, you know, you got a lot of cool stuff related to it. So I'm kind of excited to see where you go with that series as well. So I'm fired up. Uh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. And the uh, checks in the mail for saying that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You're one of the original gangsters from the Mondo Mafia. So, um, you know, you're you're a great guy and, and your show is is tremendous. I mean, you have so many great authors on and uh, and really big name people. So it's uh, I, I think, you know, what you do is really important, too. And and I, I think as a writer and, and as a reader, you know, I, I really appreciate what you put out there for us to consume so uh yeah i can't wait for more to come oh man all right i gotta add another zero to this check before i send it oh off. come on <laughs> <laughs> right. thanks a lot chuck man that that really touches my heart and i i really appreciate that all right ladies and gentlemen time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee and a fresh cigar and uh hand the floor over to my guest chuck buddha with the sentinel series book one sleeping dogs lie all right here we go i'll uh my chapters are short but i'll just read the first one just to give people a taste so uh lawless ray martin felt little pain he had learned to cope with anguish in all forms at an early age the son of a drunken mother and an abusive father little raymond had transformed his personal nightmares into a raison d'etre to get what he wanted ray martin took what he wanted when he wanted it Few chose to stand between him and his desires. Those who dared typically died a slow, ghastly death, like Sheriff Tyndall lying at his feet. Ray sniffed his bloody fingers. The mesmerizing scent took him back to a day when his father had beaten him in the yard. The old man had taken up a plank of wood against his son, saving his swollen, bruised knuckles. Ray had lost two teeth that day, and the smell of his own blood overwhelmed his memories. What's next? Lawless Ray Martin's friend Chi-Chi kicked at the sheriff while he was down. Removing his hat, Ray sucked the blood from his fingertips. He pulled his buckskin shirt taut to inspect the wound beneath his ribs. 
a clean through shot from back to front, and the pain had now just registered. Ray's anger had eclipsed the injury until he had subdued the sheriff. Crouching alongside Sheriff Tyndall, Ray squeezed the man's cheeks in his fist, forcing a contorted expression upon the unconscious face. Best take care of that wound, Lawless, Smitty dug through his pack for needle and thread. He tossed a nearly empty bottle of rock gut to his boss. Ray caught the bottle and laid it on the sheriff's chest. Plenty of time for that. He had more urgent matters to tend to, like figuring out how to make Tyndall's remaining moments as painful as he could. You reckon the good folks of Piney Gulch will send a posse? Chi-Chi giggled as he brushed away the grit from his mouth. His wispy black mustache hardly flinched. Ray Martin rose to his full height. At six feet and three inches, Lawless towered over most men. His old man had stood two inches taller than his boy, but it did little to impede his revenge against his father. He tamped his brown Stetson into place and glared towards the east. We'll be long gone by the time Piney Gulch figures out their esteemed lawman is missing. Ray's rampage was fast approaching its conclusion. He and his men had ridden hundreds of miles to avenge his lifetime of slights. Twenty-one men had been massacred along the way. Every single one of them deservedly so for infractions as small as insults on up to locking him away in jail. It didn't matter if Ray Martin had stolen, cheated, raped, beaten, or killed folks. He swore the day he hung his daddy from the neck as a 16-year-old, no man would cause him harm by tongue or fist. The last stop along his trail of revenge lies due east of Pine Gulch. His eyes watered with anticipation at the penultimate battle ahead. Chi-Chi bit the cork from the bottle and spit it into the dusk that circled them. He spilled whiskey onto a rag and squeezed it against Ray's side. The burn sharpened his senses. Ray saw the plan unfold before him. He steadied himself while the men cleaned his wound and ran a thread through the edges. Smitty's hands proved as steady with a needle as they were with irons. He deftly closed the opening and chewed through the last portion of string. Good as new! Smitty brushed his bloody hands on the soaked rag. Chi-Chi offered the bottle to Ray, who dismissed the alcohol with a wave. Chi-Chi slugged a mouthful. He offered it to Smitty. Too much backwash, Smitty grimaced, returning the splice to his bag. Chi-Chi shrugged and downed the rest. He smashed the empty bottle on the rocky surface of the plain. Ray was grateful they had traveled far off the trail. If Chi-Chi had left clues to their escape along the trail, he would have had to dole out dire consequences for such stupidity. Luckily for Chi-Chi, their route through the fields would hide such an indiscretion. Saddle up. We'll keep moving through the night. He waited as his men climbed onto their horses. Once they were settled, Ray made an example of Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi, you will walk alongside Sheriff Tyndall. Chi-Chi frowned. But... How can he walk? The whining improved Ray's mood. Upsetting others brightened the cloudiest of days. Tie his boots to your horse. We'll drag the dear sheriff to our final destination. I can make sure he stays with us from on my horse. Ray climbed into his saddle. He turned his steed toward Chi-Chi. I need somebody to keep that badge on his chest until we get to town. He chewed the inside of his mouth, relishing the old taste of copper. You see, it's very important that folks know this sack of bones used to be a lawman. Smitty clucked his tongue, steering his horse closer. Wouldn't it be easier to toss his body over the saddle? Without averting his stare from Chi-Chi, Ray chuckled. Easier for who? Chi-Chi or Sheriff Tyndall? Before anyone could answer, Ray ordered the man be tied to Chi-Chi's horse. His tone suggested movement without delay. Chi-Chi rushed to lash the sheriff by his boots. He secured the other end of the rope to the pommel and then awaited instructions. Satisfied they were ready to move out, Ray pointed at the sheriff who began to slowly return to consciousness. It's okay if his head and such falls apart. Just make sure that badge stays right where it belongs. He tugged the reins and gigged his horse into a trot. Smitty followed suit on his left. Chi-Chi's horse hurried to keep pace with the others. Ray glanced over his right shoulder, enjoying the sight of Chi-Chi huffing and puffing. The man held his hat down with one hand while he swung the opposite arm wildly to provide his body with much needed momentum. 
Ray chuckled to himself. He couldn't have asked for a more robust first impression on the townsfolk ahead. They had no inkling that the devil was on his way. Soon, those folks would wish lawless Ray Martin had passed them by, especially those who had wronged him long ago. All right, that was Chuck Buddha reading a sample chapter from his brand new series, The Sentinel. Uh, and this was book one, Sleeping Dogs Lie. Hey, real quick, happy birthday to Chuck. His birthday is the day after this episode comes out. So happy birthday, Chuck. So happy to have you back here again. People, make sure you click that link in the show notes to find and follow Chuck everywhere. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time when I'm back with a new author, a brand new book, and an all new sample chapter. Take care, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, see you again real soon.